0: Amen. Now I just want to thank our worship team for leading us right into the throne room. Um, What a blessing it is. I trust that you've had a, a good week of ministry this week. And as we go out and minister to people in our area, I know there's just each one of us represents different types of ministry to different people and the people in our area, people in our home. And uh, I just want you to know that that I love you. I love Memorial. And uh, I love Jesus. And and what a blessing it is uh, to be a part of of this church. You know, I hope you left your shoes at the door when you came in because uh, we're on holy ground. And, um, you know, many weeks I feel uh, overwhelmed with inadequacy when it comes to preaching God's word. You know, you could give a talk. When you're preaching God's Word, there's something about feeling inadequate. And when I come to John chapter 17, I, I kind of feel almost paralyzed. And the reason I say that is because we're entering into the Holy of Holies, and so we, we tremble as we come in, and you know, like Second Corinthians talks about who is adequate for this thing, for these things. And, and um, you know Scottish minister John Brown, he wrote the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John is without a doubt <laughs> the most remarkable portion of the most remarkable book in the world. So we have a great passage, we have a great scripture, and we're going to be in John 17. And it is with hesitation that I would even attempt to comment on this high priestly prayer of Jesus. And we should note that we are at one of the great mountain peaks of scripture. One of the great mountain peaks And the words of John 17 are truly sacred, and they reveal the heart of the one we worship. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is revealing his heart for his people in this passage. And in order to understand the prayer fully, we must see it against the backdrop of the Lord's teaching that he had in John chapter 16. Remember, he's on the way to the cross, He's already shared the Lord's Supper and the Passover with his disciples. He's already, he's headed towards the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's telling his disciples the last things he's going to tell them before he dies and gives his body and blood for for our salvation. And you know, in that, um, we see his heart in chapter 16 of of, uh, carried over into this prayer, and he's. He tells them, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you. And he he told about his death and he told about his, his burial and his resurrection. And then he gives assurance in John 16, 33. This should bring us great comfort. He says this, he says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. See, we should note that this prayer that we are about to read um, does not focus on any concern regarding a personal need of Jesus. Many times we reach out to the Lord when we're in need and we, we ask Him to meet our needs and we pray with a need, a specific need in mind. But here Jesus is not praying for Himself in that sense. There's nothing in this prayer that gives us a hint of illness, a, a hint of drawback, or even a, a hint of defeat in Jesus' life. We have a, He has a total consciousness of life, a complete, uninterrupted, uninterrupted fulfillment of God's will. This is huge. Because Jesus says here, he says, I glorified you on the earth. While I walked this earth, I glorified you. And I love that. One of the many statements that speak of accomplishing God's will. But notice that Jesus' burden in this prayer, we're gonna read in just a moment. His burden in this prayer was not for himself, but his burden in this prayer was for others. And although he begins the prayer with a, a personal request, his, his ultimate motive was to glorify the Father. And in John's Gospel, John, as he wrote this Gospel, he, he used the word Father 127 times in this Gospel. So he, he recognizes that Jesus is God's son, and that God is Jesus's father. So let me pray for us, then we're gonna jump into chapter 17, and we got a long way to go, so um, we might as well get started, but let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, and I I pray, Father, that you would just, uh, that you would bring peace um, to our lives and to our world. Father, it seems on every corner On every hand, we are in chaos, and there is no peace. And so I ask, Father, that you would give us your peace. Father, you said that that you have overcome the world, and that we are to take courage from that. So, Father, I pray that you would encourage our worried hearts, our unsteadied hearts, our hearts that are depressed, our hearts that are, are, are just weary, Father, I pray that you would just encourage us. I pray, Father, for those who may be grieving today. Father, the the loss in their life, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a job, maybe it's something else. But Father, I pray for those who are grieving. Father, I lift up the needs in this room. I thank you, Father, that, that we have brothers and sisters to walk the journey in this life through And I pray, Father, that 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 bond would be tight, and Father, that we would enjoy the the, the fellowship with one another. Father, I thank you for protecting us. I thank you, Jesus Christ, for the, the sacrifice that you gave for the salvation of our souls. And Father, I pray for those souls that may have not yet been born again. And I pray, Father, for the salvation of the souls of men and women. Father, I know that as according to your will, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So Father, I I ask God that you would bring each of us to a place where we profess Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Holy Spirit, guide us as we study your words. And Father, that you would just magnify, be magnified in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. If you have your scripture and would open up to me in uh, John chapter 17, uh, we're gonna begin reading there. I'm gonna read uh, just, we're gonna camp out there for a little bit and we'll talk about it and move on and camp out a little bit and talk about it and move on. But we've got a long way to go, so I'll speak quick and you listen quick, okay? Um, John 17:1. Jesus spoke these things, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In this passage, he prays for himself. He prays that God would be glorified, that he and God would be um, together, that that he would be with with God where God is, and that they would be united. And he's now within the shadow of the cross. He's going to die. He knows that he's going to be crucified. And the purpose for which he was born is, is about to be fulfilled. The hour has come. And now what we observe is that he's going to die just the same way that he lived with one preoccupation, and that is to glorify Almighty God, to do what God sent him here to do. You know, even as you remember at his baptism uh, in the Jordan River, uh, the, the, the father spoke from heaven, and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, he had been pleased. God was pleased with the work that he was doing throughout his earthly life and ministry. Nothing changed that. In everything that Jesus said, in everything that he did, in everything that he was, he pleased the Father. This is huge. In everything he said and was and did, he pleased the Father. Even under the shadow of the cross, Jesus continues to please the Father. He's about to die, and just as he lived in pleasing the Father, his death is pleasing to the Father. See, the cross was an unlikely place to find glory. I mean, in that day, they, they didn't make jewelry, they didn't make jewel, jewel, crosses into jewelry to display the cross attractively on a necklace. That would be kind of like you today, maybe putting a hangman's noose around your neck and wearing that around as, as, as jewelry. And we think, man, how atrocious would that be? He died on the cross. But listen, the cross was a place of, of humiliation. It was a place of shame. It was a, the most excruciating form of execution known to man was to, to nail him to a cross, And let him hang there and die on that cross. But the cross. That very cross is is where God's glory is supremely displayed. Think about this. I have to add a reminder here because Jesus did not die on the cross because he caused the Father's displeasure. He died because we brought displeasure to the father through our sin through our disobedience and it was our sins that Jesus died for and he himself was without sin he took your place he took mine on that cross so that we wouldn't have to die like that He prays for himself, for the Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which you had before the world was. And then verse six and following, he says this, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and you you have kept your word. They have kept your word, excuse me. Now they have come to know that, that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them and truly understood what I came that I came forth from you, and have believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf; I do not ask on behalf of the world, but those whom you have given to me, for they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. He's praying for his disciples. Here, Jesus expresses a personal and a specific appreciation and love for the men who followed him and served him as he walked this earth. You know, in the words of verse 9, he says, I ask on their behalf. I ask on their behalf, shows his concern for their well-being in the world after he is gone. He knows he's leaving. See, Jesus has not stopped praying for his people. Folks, let this be an encouragement to each one of us. He has not stopped praying for his people. He continually prays for those who belong to him and those who are serving him. And this should bring comfort and encouragement to us that Jesus is still praying for us. He is still praying for us who, who love him, who belong to him, and who are serving him. But notice also, moving on, he prays for his disciples' ministry. Verse 11 says, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you, holy father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I kept, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given you "'Given them your word and the the world has hated them "'because they are not of the world "'even as I am not of the world. "'I do not ask you to take them out of the world "'but to keep them from the evil one. "'They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. "'Sanctify them in the truth. "'Your word is truth. "'As you sent me into the world, "'I have also sent them into the world.' For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also may be sanctified in truth. I mean, the words of this passage, they're, they're particularly moving. We, we see here Jesus is asking his father to extend the same protection to his disciples after he is gone that they had known while he was here. Like, Father, would you protect them when I come back to you? Would you protect them when I'm not with them? Bruce Milne points out that the world (laughs) and the devil are daunting enemies. The world and the devil are daunting enemies Jesus' concern for them in his prayer is a call to vigilance and a prayer for protection. You know, the spiritual dynamics these days. We think about this prayer of Jesus, uh, how consistent and how, how overwhelming it is. But this is about how we spend so much time, so much more time praying these days, <laughs> praying about our health. Praying about our projects, our the decisions we have to make, praying about our finances, praying about our families, praying even about our sports games, than we do praying about the danger of the evil one. The one who is roaming to and fro like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Maybe we need to pray a little more along that line. Praying that he would keep us from the evil one. You know, with this jarring thought before us, I hope we are challenged to join our Savior in praying for his servants and his ministers and all Christians around the world, especially those who are working in ministering in hard places and are suffering persecution. You may not feel it today, but there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted this very day for their faith in Jesus Christ. Where are the prayers for them? Where are the the tears on the altar for them? See, I would submit that we are a little bit self-absorbed. That we care more about what we're going through than what they're going through. Jesus was caring here about what his disciples were going to go through. And we know from history that every one of them was martyred after he left. See, there's, there's something to this prayer that Jesus is, is giving here. He prays in verse 11 that unity will characterize the work and relationships of his disciples. Unity, unity, unity. Verse 13, Jesus prays that his disciples may know his joy. May know his joy. He knows that a joyless ministry is not an effective ministry. We might think of it as drudgery. And in verse 17 and 19, he he prays that his disciples will be separated from the world, that they will be sanctified, that they will be set apart, that they will be different than the world. So he's praying for his disciples. He prays for unity. He prays for joy. And he prays for separation from the world. I think those are three big things. Unity, joy, joy and separation from the world. You know, as I watch the church today give in to the trends of the modern-day Western world, I'm reminded of the words of G. Campbell Morgan that the purpose of the church is not to capture the spirit of the age, but it is to change it. The purpose of the church is not to capture the spirit of the age, but it is to change it. And listen, Jesus continues to pray that his church, that his church will not be like the world. You know, sometimes I get a kick out of some of those reader boards that churches put out in front of their their facility. You know, I come across three or four I want to share with you that amused me. One of them said this. It said, there are some questions that can't be answered by Google. Amen. There are some questions that cannot be answered by Google. Another one said this, it said, don't let worries kill you, let the church help. Another one said, you have one new friend request from Jesus, confirm or ignore? And then the last one is what is missing from CH blank blank CH? You are. You are. You know, as I thought about and pondered the pluses and minuses of publicity like this for the church, I was thinking, you know, the best advertisement for the church is a witness of oneness to the world because when we're unified, we display the personality, the purposes, and the power of God when we are in unity sweet unity let me cover this last section and i'll be done here he prays for the church in verses 20 and following he says i do not ask on behalf of those of these alone but for those also who believe in me through their word That they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father. Although the world has not known you, yet I have known you and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Here Jesus extends his prayer to all of those, all of those who hear his word And come to him by faith, experiencing the new birth and becoming part of his family. See, this part of the prayer, it includes us. He's praying for us. Jesus is praying for us. And this is a part of the prayer, it includes Christians everywhere. And think about that. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is praying for you. He wants us to be one. One with one another and one with him. You know, one Sunday the minister was preaching in uh, his sermon, and this bright-eyed three-year-old was listening intently And as he explained uh, that God wanted them to all get along and to love each other. And, and she was tracking with her pastor until he said, God wants us all to be one. She kind of had a frown on her face and she looked at her mom and she said, I don't want to be one. I want to be four. <laughs> you know, she may be onto to something because many of us don't want to be one either. It's much easier for us to splinter into four groups or 40 groups or 400 different groups. And while it's difficult to even get an exact count because the number keeps going up, there are literally thousands of denominations and religious groups right here in America. I read somewhere that someone said this To to live above with those we love Oh that will be glory To live below with those we know Now that's another story But folks that's where we find ourselves We love each other But we don't love each other And that's what he's, he's praying for That we would be united That we would love each other That we would all be one I mean he's praying That's what he is praying for you That's what he's praying for me He prays that we may all be one. And no doubt the heart of our Savior hurts when he sees how divided the body of Christ is and can be even in a congregation this size. He prays that we may all be one but he also prays for our unity. You know, several years ago we had a campaign where we were going to put together a, um, a photo album, uh, a, a directory for our church. And, um, I remember, uh, there was a lot of individual pictures that were taken and, and, uh, Shannon Alvarez took these tiny individual pictures and she, she made them into a, and put them into a mosaic. And when you step back from it, it was, it was a resemblance of the face of Jesus Christ. And really, that's what we're to look like. That's what we're to be. I mean, the Bible is filled with a focus on family togetherness. And God's people are designed to fit together as pieces of a puzzle in order to form a united picture of God's love. And when we are uh, unified like that, we display... His personality, the the, the purposes, and the power of God. You know, Jesus also prays, and this is huge, that we make an evangelistic impact on the world so that others will also believe. You know, when our Lord Jesus walked this earth, he was in constant prayer. And his prayer was that the Father would be glorified that he would bring glory to the father and that people would come to know him and that through him they would receive eternal life that we would be with him for all eternity he continues that same prayer today this prayer for unity has been answered throughout church history but let me bring it just a little bit closer to home In just a moment, I want to list four action plans, action steps, if you will, that you and I could take to foster this unity. But let me remind you that unity is not achieved, it is received. We don't have to earn it because it's been earned for us on the cross. The thing that we all have in common is Jesus Christ died for us. We don't have to create it because Jesus already created this unity when he prayed for us. (laughs) You see, he attained the unity. We just have to maintain the unity. He's already achieved it, he's already attained it. We, our job is to maintain that unity in the Spirit. So I want to say this be a grower. Be a grower. Some say that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And while that may be somewhat true in human relationships, in our relationship with God, absence makes the heart wander. Like wander away. So be a grower. A lot of times when we wander away from God, we begin war with others we have problems when this relationship this way has a problem a lot of times we have problems in these relationships but when there's wholeness and completeness in this relationship then these relationships are no problem so ask the question are you growing in your walk with christ Are you daily growing in your walk with Christ? Because if this is all of God's word that you hear all week long, you're gonna starve to death. You're gonna die on the vine. You have to continually be feeding and feasting on God's word. So be a grower. If you find yourself out of sync with somebody else, maybe the question you need to be asking is, am I walking with Christ? Because if this relationship is good, then these relationships will be good. But if there's a problem here, there will be a problem here. So when you see a problem here, you need to look here and see how things are with your walk with Christ. You need to ask the question, am I walking with him? Am I fully surrendered to what he's asking me to do? So grow in your walk and help others to grow. Secondly, I would say be a unifier. This is big. Instead of judging and gossiping and slandering others, search for a way that you can specifically be a unifier, somebody to bring people together. You know, Proverbs six nineteen says that the Lord finds detestable a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. Stop being abrasive. Stop being abrasive. Cut other people some slack. We're all doing the best we can. We're all trying to get there. We're all working on everything as hard as we can. Cut people some slack. Stop judging them. It's like the Chinese proverb. says, do not remove a fly from your friend's forehead with a hatchet. (laughs) You know, watch your words. When you hear someone bashing another believer, speak the truth in love and send him or her back to the person they're talking about. Be a grower, be a unifier. I would also say be a forgiver. Some of us may be filled with bitterness because we've refused to forgive someone for something they said or something they did to us. Folks, it's time for us to repair those relational rifts in our lives. Whether they're in your home or in the house of God, keep your accounts short with people. Be like the young child who was overheard reciting the prayer that was given to the disciples, and this is what the child said and forgive us our trash passes. As we forgive those who've passed trash against us. I mean, are you passing trash this morning? Are you talking about somebody? Are you, are you passing that around? Get rid of it before it starts to stink. Lastly, I would say this. Be a worker. Are you willing to live out the truth of Ephesians 4, 3? I mean, this verse doesn't allow us to be nonchalant about unity. It says this: it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so I ask you, what is one thing that you can do today? What is one thing that you can do this week to keep the unity of the Spirit? You know, in that relationship that you're thinking about right now, have you made every effort? Or have you just mm, sort of tried? Making every effort involves work. It means doing something about it. It means picking up the phone. It means getting in the car and driving over to see him. It means writing him a note. It means doing something about it. You have to do something. Be a worker. And it boils all down to this. Are you willing to be an answer to Jesus's prayer today? He's looking for willing hearts. He's looking for people to say, yes, I will. Are you ready and willing to be united with one another? I mean, we're his church, we're his bride. We're the one he is coming back expecting. We all need to be pulling in the same direction. See, you will have to make Jesus Lord of your life in order for that to happen. You have to be willing to die to self in order for that to happen, for you to be an answer to Jesus' prayer. You will have to take up your cross daily and follow him you see I would say it this it's time to stand up and be one with one another oh he's calling he's calling but will you respond you gonna turn a deaf ear be like man I don't hear anything you hear that no I don't hear nothing He's calling, but we have to respond. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this look inside your heart. and I I, I love this look inside your heart, but also in your relationship with the Father. And Lord, I I know that in, in in a few moments, Our worship team is gonna lead us in a couple more songs. Father, our our worship is is null and void if our heart is not with you. Father, if if we have disobedience, if we have sin, if there's things in our lives that that aren't pleasing to you, then Father, our, our worship is, the motive behind it is not even correct. So Father, I pray that you would move us where where you want us to be. And Father, that we would be willing to be willing to do the things that you ask us to do. Father, I pray that if there is someone here that doesn't know you, that this morning they would confess Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Father, if there is someone here that is just wandering aimlessly, Father, that today, they would, they would recommit themselves to you. Father, that they would want to grow, that they would want to be a unifier, that they would want to be those things for you, an answer to your prayer, Jesus. Father, I pray for your church. I pray that you would unify your church. Father, that, that the world will, would know that we belong to you because of our Love for one another. And Father, as as one hand washes the other, we minister. We all don't minister in the same way. We all have different gifts. But Father, your plan is amazing. So Father, I pray that we would all be on board. We would all be pulling in the same direction. And Father, that we would glorify Jesus even as he glorifies you. Father, I pray that you would make it so today and guide us as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.